Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Introducing the SD Podcast channel, your new source for all types of podcasts. We are looking for new podcasts to add to our channel. So if you ever wanted to start a podcast, reach out to us via Twitter, DM, or just add us at SD Podcast. Or message us on Facebook or even email us at SNDPodcast at gmail.com. Once you reach out to us, we'll tell you the best way to create a podcast. All types of podcasts are, are welcome. So anything you want to talk about for a podcast, just let us know. No idea is a bad idea. We're already on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and all other podcast apps. All you have to do is record the podcast. So hit us up soon so you can start your podcast now. Welcome to episode 173 of the SND Podcast Show. That was Submission at Division 1.1. This week's song, because this year the Mets are going to put a submission hold on the Major League Baseball. That's my opinion. Well, That's we my thought. So. We hope so. Yeah. We, we definitely <laughs> hope so. And hopefully the injuries are to the bare minimum this year. It, it can't be... It can't be as it's bad. It's impossible to be, to be worse or as bad. Because literally everybody, even Noah, was taken out of the game early. And it was the all-star break, so he didn't miss anything. But he had the bone spurs, you know, slight bone spurs, whatever. But he's really the only one that stayed healthy in Cologne. Yeah, Cologne, but, you know, is in Atlanta. Right. So that doesn't matter anyway. So everybody uh, So, with that being said, we have a packed baseball show today. Uh, Justin Diamond's going to join us, talk yeah. some Yankees. Uh, Rich McLeod. He's coming on and talking to the Mets later MLB. on. MLB.com. MLB.com. Um, and Lies only did one show this week. Yeah. It was Monday. It was a good How show. How was the Randezzo interview? It was good. It was okay. Uh, some issues with the audio with him on his end was probably the connection. Okay. Um, it is on our iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play account, of course. Make sure you listen to that. So go listen to that. It was last week. Um, Monday, they had Rob Talbot talking some hockey. It was a good show. Um, Jay, I know, is setting up. He just... Made a big move in life, so he's setting up his new setup. So who's going to get a new show soon? Uh, Rising Apple just had a new special in time come for out. Probably he'll be no. He's going to have a new show coming out soon. Yeah, Jay, okay. he wants to. Jay's due for a show. Good, good, good. Um, Rising Apple last night. Yeah, Rising Apple did a, did a show about spring training, so we figured it's our turn also to do a spring training show. Yeah. Um, that being said, iTunes, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, SND Podcast Channel. Search for it on iTunes. Uh, go to the review page. Give us five stars. Rate, review, and comment, please. Rate, review, comment. Uh, like us on SoundCloud if you like to. Like us on Facebook. Share our pages. Share everything. Um, also, shout out. Um, we Bleed Orange and Blue is a blog I kind of started sort of writing for. Uh, for anybody who's ever followed the MLB uh, Sign Girls is what they were called. Um, they used to just make random signs. The Mets would use their pictures with their signs about the pitching staff and things like that. Every so often, it was kind of cool. They started a little blog, uh, one of the girls from there. So I kind of write some stuff. I just had a new article come out. I had three articles on there. One's about a made Rosario. 
uh, Dom Smith and about the pitching rotation. Uh, working on some other things. Vin, I know you write some stuff too now. I do. I wrote a preview uh, last week, and I wrote a piece about Jay Bruce. Uh, how nobody likes him. How nobody likes him except for me. Well, I, I, let's see. I, I, I don't mind Jay Bruce as well, but I'm on Curtis the Granderson likes him. Curtis Granderson. <laughs> Can we get a We Follow Jay Bruce page, Curtis? <laughs> Yeah, dude is getting pretty boring. Yeah, he and, is. We, and we don't have, and we and we need someone to have a long uh, name uh, chant now because Roberto Cruz has gone for fellow Giant fans and Met fans like us, me and Steve. So right, okay, so yeah, that could transfer over. So that would be cool. Well, were people brucing or booing last year? Well, but <laughs> definitely, if you watch the uh, he hit the, the first couple of games, they were they were boos. They were, br- they were bruising. bruising the homer at Yankee Stadium, and if you watch the Marlins home runs he hit that big week, they were bru- you can hear bruises. Well, my uncle, well, my uncle at the famous bachelor party that I was not at, but everybody else was at. He was he. Oh, of course, this bastard hits a home run now when we don't need him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They almost did, when they almost came back they in that game. He hit a home run to make it. I think ten eight or something. Yep. Something I was, like that. I was the Indians coach in a hospital bed. Uh, <laughs> Granted, it wasn't a meaningful game, but it was at the same time. I, I could picture you doing that. Yeah. Um, with that being said, now that we talk some baseball, we're going to talk some college recruiting in the leadoff. Leading off. Alrighty, so this week's leadoff is about NCAA recruiting, because as most people know, uh, recently in women's college basketball, the Connecticut Huskies won their 100th straight game. Yeah, last week. They won their 100th straight game. They will probably Does won that include the tournament? No. I, maybe. Might, no, it does. It definitely does. Okay. So that, that basically says... They haven't lost since 2014. Just put it that way. So whatever way you cut it, it's impressive. It doesn't matter if they play the Sisters of the Poor. D3 yeah, but the, but the... Impre- the Crazy stat is that they had more wins by 60 or more points than they had of less than 10 points, which says everybody goes to play there. If you're good at college, you're good at basketball and you're a female, you're going to Connecticut. There's nobody, no place else you're going, no place else that basically will say, here's all the money in the world for you to come play with us and nothing happens. That's basically what they're saying. And it's all around college sports. It's not just women's basketball. It's men's basketball also. You know, all these guys go to Duke, Syracuse. Well, not really Syracuse anymore. But they still. some of them still go to Syracuse. You know, North Carolina. You know, you have your powerhouses that always get these guys. Something needs to change so that, you know, some of the great stories is, excuse me, the UNLV team running the table and winning the tournament before our time. Right. You know, some of these stories, you know, Texas Southern, you know, let's see, let's see, you know, Texas had Durant for that one year. Haven't heard about Texas since then. Oh, no. You haven't heard it since then for a very long time. But it's just how college sports are. It's, they'll, they'll pretty, basically, the coaches will sell their souls as long as they get, excuse me, they get the right recruits. As you see, I know we how much you love your boy. Uh, Harbaugh, he pretty, pretty much hired a player, uh, recruit's father to be a coach. So well, much to be fair, also on that is this guy was a co- was already coach. It's not like he was never coaching, I, and he's I just know. like, oh, you coach your son on the sideline. But, but here it definitely helped. It definitely helped him. For all we know, some well, we know Nick Saban's going to call this guy and be like, hey, I'm looking at your son. Come be my offense coordinator. 
I, I, I mean, I get, I don't see it happening, but you know, you never know, you know. I, the thing I find it just—they're just, they're just used salesmen. That's the best right. way of putting it. They're, they'll do anything to sell their souls, and they'll be the first. The coaches will be the first ones to leave a situation before. Well, you know, gets... the first time you see a guy in a suit and a tie walking towards you, you run away, you run right. the other way, and you leave. You have to adapt, though. Like I think I've said this before, it used to be at Duke that they didn't hang championship banners for teams that won until everybody graduated. So that point, Jay Williams was on the Michael Rappaport podcast. Okay, like, like about a week ago. Right, and he talked about it, and he said. So set, when they changed the rule, I think it was like 06 or 07 was when they changed the rule. When they changed the rule to that yeah. or from that? To that. To the one, you have to go one year and you're done. Oh, okay. Shetsky wouldn't recruit anybody who he knew would be a one and done well, guy. That, right. He, he would that. only take. Right. And uh, he had to adapt. Right. Because he he would, had Kyrie. Kyrie. Because they weren't, they weren't successful. They had the, the little run with J.J. Redick and, and that team. And they they won a champion. Then they started winning championships. They had you know Mason and Miles Plumley. They had right. Kyrie Irving. They had Austin Rivers. They having these guys who were going one and done. He had to. He, there's no way you can keep up with Calipari and these you know the, the powerhouse that he's creating, and and you know UNC and all these people. If you don't accept these guys, because nobody's staying four years. Well, that's the other thing. How many of these schools are giving these kids scholarships? To go play a sport so they can make money off of these kids. Well, that's just just to just to be like, here we're gonna give you give you C's, you know, passing grades just to make sure you could be academically. Well, I know I know we say this every time we bring this up, but my all time favorite is Cardell Jones. I'm not here to I'm not here to go to class. Football is my class. That's all you need to say. No, but that's right. That is. I'm, I'm not saying that's, that's the majority. That's at least a percentage of the people oh, who have that thinking. Especially with, like, football. Forget it. You don't even have to go to class. You, right. But they you, have the, people doing it. The bowl it. games are done by the time before classes are done. Well, it's about the same time. But they're not going to kick you out of a bowl game for, for not showing up to class. Oh, well, you'll be surprised. I mean, on the if you all you if you literally they depends make, on how long they go. You know, once they that make suit your, guy shows up and they make your schedule the for you so that you it doesn't interfere with practice. Because I, I this is I don't think I told you guys this before. Dwight Hardy, the guy who played for St. John's, I went to a semester at St. John's. He was in my class, and he, I remember him having a conversation with the teacher that you know he wasn't going to be he had to go to games and he was going to miss classes and things like that. And the teachers were accommodating about it. The guy was like, you know, email me your homework and I'll email you the you know the test or whatever because the tests were open book anyway. But he, I mean, I can't stand for everybody, but he stayed four years and I saw him trying in class. Like he wasn't a guy right. who would just show up and you know. Well, some of the guys don't nowhere. get scholarships. You know, basketball guys they only get right. It's like seven or eight. But he was a big star. No, he was when St. John's made their run. He was the best player. Yeah. Right. It, well. The, there's also there's difference between uh, I used to love St. John's basketball, so don't get me wrong when I say this. There's a lot of big difference from going <laughs> right. to St. John's and then go, being the star at Duke. <laughs> right, yeah. right, of course. Right of now, course. Hardy's still playing in Europe, and you never know, which is a great living. I'm not knocking it, but right. he was in Europe last time I checked. That's still a great living, but he didn't guarantee. Oh, I don't have a guarantee on what's. No, next you're right. He didn't have a, a guaranteed NBA career, but like if you. I I understand obviously you go you're going to make money and what and all that. They're giving you if you go to Duke, 
You're giving you for free an Ivy League education. Yes, yeah, I, I don't know why you pass that up. That year of the greatest college football game of all time of Texas USC. Right. Matt Liner was taking ballot. Yo, yeah, yo. Oh, that's he went fifth year. That's right. What, that, that was the fifth year. So he could Just do whatever he wanted to stay and play football. Right. He could do whatever he wanted. He already had credits. Well, he could just yeah, take. Yeah, you, you, you see all those stories, and the, then you get those one random those really random, really smart guys that have like forensic uh, AP Europe, um, not AP Europe, but you know what I mean, like forensic rocket science right. and all that other like right road scholarships and stuff like that. So. There was a, a football player who was a Rose. It wasn't. I'm drawing a blank, but yes, he, he went to. For it. Yeah, for I, th- what? I feel like he was on. He was on Baylor with RG three. I feel like, or it was around. It was the RG three draft year. The guy was got a, the Rhodes scholarship. Oh, he went to uh, Florida State. Maybe okay, yes. Florida, State. Yeah, Florida State. Um, State. I forgot what the player's name was, but he went to Florida State, and they talked about it like every day. Right. Yeah. Well, it's an, I mean, that's, that's, that's an accomplishment. And uh, Greg McElroy, uh, of Alabama fame and New York Jet fame, was a Rhodes Scholar, too. Well, that's the other thing. The uh, With football, what, you have to stay what? It has to be three, three years, years out of high school? Three years, yes. Right. Three years, but Fitzgerald was able to beat the system because he did two years of junior college. So now, it's right. ideally, it's, it's two it's years of junior college. It's three years out of high school. It doesn't have to right. be three years in college. Right. It's so three years out of high school. So basically, what, what Larry Fitzgerald was able to put into the rule book is if you go to community college for two years right. and, go, and you're good, and then go play one year in... Well, it's the same right. thing with, with... Cam Newton did the same thing. You know, Well, he got thrown out of Florida. I'm surprised more guys don't go, do it. If you look at, like... Um, was it Matthews? I think it's it was Austin Matthews. Somebody, uh, yeah, he didn't go to the Canadian League where you don't get paid. He went to Switzerland where you get paid. Well, that's like Brendan Jennings. Right, that's the, what I was going to say. Right. I'm surprised more NBA guys don't go to Europe for a year. Because the same thing with, with basketball. It's only it's not a year of college. It's a year out of high school. Right, you have to be 19. Right, There's an age limit. Right. That's what it comes out. Right, exactly. So I'm surprised more guys don't go to, the, to Europe and get paid. And then come back and go, you know, go in the NBA draft. I I just think there needs to be they gotta if they talk about how the NCAA is March Madness and like we always see these teams get like these big upsets and stuff early in it, but then at a, towards the end it's always going to be Kansas, it's always going to be Kentucky, it's right. always going to be UNC, it's always going to be Duke. You're always going to well, see Villanova wasn't that special well, the team last year, and they found a way to pull it out. Well, right. that's the great thing about a tournament is that it that it is one game over the course of a season. Obviously, the best teams are going to come to the top, but it's never has a tournament ever gone just chalk one seeds throughout the whole way. No, a one seed always loses, and you know eventually they always lose. You know you always right. see a four and or five win. Yeah, there's usually a four or five. Even it's you know sometimes I think it was ones and twos. Notre Dame always like, beat Kentucky. Like, the year Duke yeah. won a couple of years ago, it was one, not the most recent one. The one before that, it was all ones and twos. But it's just like that's what makes the tournament great is that it's just one game. I, I wouldn't say uh, you have to do anything about recruiting, but I, I mean I, I would. Want, I want to see those smaller schools. I want to see Oregon go on a run. I want to see you know. Arizona State go on another run. We've seen Arizona win the championship in our lifetime. They haven't even been relevant. The underdogs are always exciting. You know, the, I think we were talking about it yesterday the other day in our chat. The Jimmer for that run with with um, Butler. With, oh, no, and the Steph no. Curry run too. The Steph Curry run. Steph with Curry Davidson. Davidson run. Uh, Jimmy uh, Verdette went to 
was it VCU? No. No. BYU. BYU. They were awesome that whole year, though. Right. Gordon Hayward is the one I'm thinking of. Butler going to the finals. Yes. He missed the he missed the the championship by by bouncing off the rim. Right. Yes. They literally they the championship was at the the place where the Hoosiers were. The Hoosier movie was right. There. And they literally he literally hit the back of the rim and it bounced out as a buzzer beater and almost beat Duke for a championship. Well, you and what's his name uh, with UConn? They weren't a big team. Kemba Walker, when they went on that run, they weren't a, a top seed. No, they. But they went on a run through game. a Big East tournament, and they were. To me, I don't know if that's to do with anything in recruiting. It's just uh, timing. Yeah, it's timing. It's no. really you have to be. It's, it's a little bit of good luck, definitely. You know, we see it every year in the professional sports. It's about who's hot at that time. Right. A lot of a lot of the moments, you know, like a team like Duke. We just, we just, we saw them today. Uh, while we're recording, they lost to Syracuse on a buzzer beater. Right. We it, literally watched it. Syracuse is on rank. Duke's ten. Duke's still going to the tournament. Yeah. Right. They they're gonna coast through. They'll be fine. They're they're gonna they're they may lose in the third round of the ACC tournament, but what do they care? They're gonna be. Right. A, See, that's why they're gonna be a top ten basketball. So more times than not, teams don't mind losing their their conference tournaments. I know they'll never say that, obviously, because they want to win a trophy and they always want to win. Well, more times than not, if they don't win the tournament, it's a nice break. There is a nice break before all the craziness. See, yeah. See, I and think, it, and you know, and you know, tournaments you would play like six, five days in a row. Right, right. Those tournaments are really, crazy. Right, the tournaments actually start next week. Yeah. Um, so you know, but it's you know another thing you got to look at is it's things with the teams that move around. Big East tournament is useless. Yeah. Nobody watches a Big East tournament. Anymore. No. Big East tournament was the biggest thing in college yeah, in yeah. New York every year. Right. The greatest game college basketball game of all time is that Syracuse Connecticut game. That the, six, what, six overtime. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care what anybody says. That will go down as arguably the greatest college basketball game of all time, and we're never going to see something like that again because they in in the Big East because of the fact that they demolished it. They did. So, something's got to be done with moving the teams around, you know. It's all about the, it, It's tough because there it's is no governing board. You, you, can't, you can't tell these teams this what goes they back can to, and can't do. This goes back to college football right. and what should they do about You can't tell these teams what they can and can't do. you got to just do your best to govern it. And we all know that the NCAA is terrible at governing anything. So No, they let Blue Mountain State walk. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they were mad at them over cream cheese. <laughs> with that being said, let's go play submission by Division 1.1, and we'll be right back with Justin. Talk some Yankees. We Welcome back to episode 173 of the SND Podcast Show. Once again, that was Division 1.1 with Submission. All right, so it is way too early to talk baseball, so we decided let's talk baseball tonight. It's not too early. It's way too early. <laughs> it's crazy. It's way too early to talk about predictions and stuff. Let's go with that. How about that? Nope. I agree. I, I think it's never too I've been early. talking MVP race since, like, December. I don't think we see it's New York. We never stopped talking baseball. Right. Cespedes signed, you know, as a Met fan, Cespedes signed, and it was like, bam, we're in. Best baseball season. Let's go. Baseball season's up. So now we should introduce the guest. Yeah, Yeah, we should introduce the guest. Justin Diamond is joining us today. What's going on, Justin? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Also, I'd just like to say, whenever 
since Ve- whenever Vegas announces their over unders for every team, that's when you could officially talk baseball. So I think they did that a couple days ago, or they so. They did that a couple days ago. So we're we're good to talk. I'm going over in the Yankees, by the way. Eighty-seven and a half, right? I I guess the, is that the Mets? Yeah, eighty-three or yeah, no, Yankees are eighty-three and a half. Were the Mets eighty-seven? That's what I thought. I think I don't the know. Mets are eighty-seven. Yeah. Right, I remember somebody was talking about it. I'll take the over. I'm, yeah, I take the over. I mean, yeah, I definitely take the over. I'm going over. I just Depends, wanted to start. Are going to give uh, Batanzas another $2 million? Or is he going to cry for 162 <laughs> days about $2 million? Uh, Batanzas, I think, will straighten it out. I wish I could least. cry for about $2 million. So, oh, my God. <laughs> let's, let's get started with that. What do you think about that situ- how that situation was handled? <laughs> well, this is funny because it's February right now and there's really not a lot of you know, things to talk about in sports. And ever, right before this thing happened, the only thing that people were talking about in New York was Charles Oakley and James Dolan. And during that time period, everybody was just ripping an executive for the Knicks, or the owner of the Knicks, James Dolan. And then during, also I'm thinking to myself, you know what, New Yorkers like to rip on a lot of executives, a lot of owners, you know, when it comes to um, yeah, the Dolan and, and you have uh, – uh, uh, and then you have the Mets guys that they're always ripping, and uh, Woody Johnson people are always ripping. People don't ever uh, rip the Yankee, the Yankee owners. Next thing you know, Randy Levine goes on this tirade, this rant about God knows what, and next thing you know, he's the uh, talk of the town, and the Yankee ownership, you know, has become an embarrassment in New York, which is just sad because before then, I like to think they. Uh, they like to they ran things well in New York City, so I don't know. Yeah, you already ran over that. Usually, it's the Yankees aren't the, the last team to get criticized management wise. They usually do what they have to do, but it was just it's fine that they you know won the arbitration or handled the arbitration the way they did. It's a process, and they took advantage of the process. I don't have any problem with that. But coming out and just saying the things they said. It just it didn't make any sense. Like you gotta, you want to have this guy for another ten, you know, five ten years. He's an elite relief pitcher, it, and you're you're telling him he's not pretty much. It confuses me because he is one of your three or four stars on the team, and I think I just read today for the first time, which I can't believe this is true, that during the arbitration hearings, uh, Randy Levine said that. He is the reason why tickets were down at Yankee Stadium last he year. He did say that. I he said that, that right? Is that, that I think he that said just Batantis was the reason? Yeah. He said he was the oh reason my. being the closer. Once they traded Chapman, ticket sales went down because Batantis was the closer. And so once you hear that, like come on. <laughs> That's come such on. crap. You basically traded away everybody to get better prospects and the, the Yankees clearly were tanking the rest of the season. Speaking of Andrew Miller developed the changeup by the way. Oh, I heard it was nasty. <laughs> yeah. Right? I heard it was... I, 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 saw, I saw a video of him throwing it. I was like, wow, that, that move. not fair. <laughs> I was, You're not supposed to be good in developing more stuff. That's not, that's not I was how this the, works. I was the biggest Andrew Miller fan, man. I was, you know, I'm, I'm happy they got Clint Frazier out of him because Clint Frazier's already my favorite player in the Yankees and he hasn't even <laughs> played a game <laughs> in the big leagues. But Andrew Miller, when he was on the team, oh my Lord, I loved him. He had this... Uh, Every time he he got the save, he had the glove high. Fi- he high fived his player or the catcher McCann usually with his glove, and he was just such a, such a happy guy. I loved him. Anyway, but, but I, I'm wishing thing, him the best. You know, the other thing with the Batanzas thing was Joe and Evan on WFAM were talking about it. Um, the Yankees went through the same thing with Jeter, 
and they went through the same thing with Rivera. They went through arbitration and had issues with both of them. I think those we can say they worked out just fine. Yeah. I think the problem is it's not the fact that they're trying to save money. I understand that. You know, it's they're, the businesses are always trying to save money on some way. Two million dollars, you can use two million dollars for something. I think the problem is is that you just belittle your star, uh, at a just I, which just seemed completely uncalled for and just unprovoked. Uh, I think that's the real problem in this situation. And I think Dylan Patantis was going to let it go until Randy Levine hopped on a phone call with the media and decided to to bash his play. And you know what? I'm sure Randy Levine, during the actual arbitration hearing, had some legitimate points not to give him that extra $2 million because when he was the closer last year, when they traded away Chapman and Miller, I'm not gonna. He was awful. He was. He had like a five ERA. He didn't know how to throw uh, throw the ball to first base, and I never felt comfortable with him closing out a game uh, ever since they made those trades. So I'm sure they used that against him. And like I said, I, you can't blame them for trying to save that money and three million. Patans is getting three million dollars. That's opposed to what was it like five hundred fifty thousand dollars? I would be. I, I wish I could be upset about making three yeah. million dollars. So I'm not, you know, he, he's he could cry his way to the bank, as they say. Is that what they say? Is that an expression? Cry his way to the bank? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. You know, I think it is. I think it is. We're making it one. If, and, you know, <laughs> if Randy Levine didn't even have to say anything, all he had to do was show a video clips of him fielding a baseball. That's you know, really the, all he had to do is, here, this guy can't field if his life depended on it. I don't know if you guys remember that game last year against the Red Sox. Yeah. Throwing it home, just show that one play and be like, "This is this is the reason we only want to pay him three million dollars." Yeah, that, uh, that was a big time collapse, and that's when the Yankees needed that that ended the season. There was a uh, actually I have a couple funny stories about that, but all right. So once this is a, this is YouTube video, they have all thirty teams' biggest home runs of the season or biggest, I think yeah, biggest plays of the season. Anyway, the first clip I throw it on first clip is the Red Sox biggest play. Tanley just hitting a moonshot into center field. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't a good way to start off that video, which is overall a pretty exciting video, but I didn't want to see that. And then another story I have, I actually had tickets to go see uh, – I was gonna. I went to Boston that very next day. I had tickets to go see the Red Sox-Yankees uh, the very next day. I had tickets to see them on a Friday. That game when Batances blew it was on a Thursday. I was watching at home on TV, and I'm, you know, thinking – because if they lost at that point, the season was going to be over. I wanted to go to the – I wanted to go to Fenway Park with some momentum, you know. You know, maybe a potential chance of some sort of wild card. And if they won this game, they could have done it. So I'm watching the game. They had a nice, like, I think it was like a two, three-run lead. Patances comes in. Can't throw a strike. Gives up a hit. Can't get an out. Next thing you know, Hanley gets that home run. And I had to wake up the next day at 5 in the morning to drive to Boston. And it was just the most depressing, depressing car ride of my life. Especially when I had to switch on to, I switched to Boston Sports Radio. And I started from New York Sports Radio. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, Batances sucks, yada, yada. Then you go to the Boston Radio. Oh, that was amazing. Best, best game of the year. And it was just a sad day. It was a sad weekend. And then the yeah. Yankees lost the game that I went to as well. So Right. Well, that the homer you were talking about with Hanley, that was the Sunday night game of that series, right? I think that was actually the Thursday night game. Thursday night. Was it? Thursday night I thought the, the, throw, so the throw and the homer were in the same game. Let's. I think. Uh, I think. I think that's the same. I think we're talking about the same game. Uh, right, because he threw. They blew I, with like a three I, I, I remember that Sunday night game as well. 
I can't right. remember if they blew it. I think they blew that lead also, now right. that I think yes, about it. Yes, cause... he had an awful weekend. Right. Was that the game A-Rod got one at Baden? No, no, that was the series before. They uh, blew two or three of those games that weekend. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The fir- the Thursday one, Hanley blew. I think the Sunday one, I, th- I remember that game because Gary Sanchez hit a bomb over the, the monster. I'm thinking, oh, they're going to win it. That's right. Yeah, and I think he blew it again. I think he hit the bad throw. It's a good call. Yeah, he blew two. That was a big series also. He blew two saves and, there. Right, so they didn't need any more ammo. Yeah, Randy Levine should be fired be like, yo. We pay a guy. We could go on YouTube and show this guy a video right. on our phone. They made him the closer for two months, and it, and it didn't go well. He also listen. If he closes all those games and he looks great, you're not signing Chapman. No, <laughs> nope. uh, they probably they might, but they may. But I don't see. He it. also pretty much blew his arm out for this team. He he pitched three innings a game every I game. I think there was a stat at the end of the year last year that him and Familia were tied for the most amount of innings in the last three years for elite players. Yeah. yeah, I think I heard so, that's because Terry and, Collins is not right, a And they both, they both looked like they had nothing at the end of last year. That's what I'm petrified right well, well, that's Yeah, why. but this year Familia's getting suspended right. for a month, so it's okay. It's a good rest. I'm telling you that's going to help. You know, the fact that it's not even out yet is kind of pathetic. Well, he left twice now to go talk to them. Okay. This, this last week he so left. So that's what they, they're saying that's the issue? Right. He left once. They said, oh, I don't know. And the second time he left, they said it was definitely for the investigation. Okay. Well, when was the second one? I think. Over the weekend. He left over the weekend. He, no, I know he, he missed Friday was, and he there, missed Saturday. It was, yeah, Thursday and Friday, Friday and Saturday. No, there. I knew it was about Friday. Right. He's, throwing, so, he's throwing in the WBC though, right? He is. Yes. See, I don't know how that See, works. that's weird. That's Why don't you just say. suspend them for that? Be like, you can't support your country. If he gets suspended, does that count for the WBC? I, I think it's it does. It's an MLB. Right, so I think it would. Yeah, but he would be allowed to pitch in spring training. So what's the difference between the WBC uh, and spring training? Uh, who knows? All right, let's talk Yankees because obviously we'll talk about the Mets <laughs> later. Oh, I can talk about the Mets as well. Don't worry. But uh, so, wait, going back to going back to what you just said though, just kind of you know kind of put a bad thought in my head. So they overused Batances. Joe Madden overused Chapman last year. Yeah, Vin's, little, Vin's got a good point about that. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried now that Chapman I think about missed it. missed the month of April. That's what I, I – it was the same thing with Familia. I think it'll even out because he missed the first month of the season. He, his arm wasn't as taxed. Oh, true. That's a good point. Even like Obviously, it was taxed at that point because he had pitched so much in that small period of time. But in the long run, I feel like he'll be all right just because it wasn't as much innings the whole season. Yeah, I'm not – you know, I guess I can't be too worried. And I like Tyler Clippard also. Um, yeah. You know, he was uh, he was strong with the Mets. He was strong with you guys. And he was strong. He was strong with the Yankees the first go around. He was. Yeah, yeah. and, and he, he was a, strong with the Nationals too. I, we hated I, I'll forever blame Terry Collins for Tyler. Oh, he Clippard. blew him out. Yeah, he blew, Terry Collins can't manage a bullpen, but that's that's. For well, it's okay because <laughs> in twenty eighteen we'll have a new guy. So we only have one more year of Terry Collins. As long as he retires. That was the funny thing with Clippard. Everybody hated him during the playoffs. But if you watched every day like the three of us did, we're like, Clippard is dead. He's literally dead. He's a dead arm. I can't blame anything he does from September on. It was just like, oh, my God. You got Addison Reed, though. That guy can pitch. Yeah, well, that he's another one. I'm gonna we're gonna see because they kind of blew him out last year. Too. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now he's gonna be the closer. Yeah, here we go. Um, okay, Gary, you mentioned Gary yeah. Sanchez. Oh, that's right. Uh, uh, ju- you we might as well put Justin and Devin in a room together and let you, them watch Gary Sanchez you highlights. Gary Sanchez. <laughs> so spend you, every, every night watching Gary Sanchez. <laughs> you can't. He hit 20 home runs in two months. 
we can't expect him to hit 60 home runs in the season. What are, <laughs> do you have a realistic expectation for Gary Sanchez? Yeah, 100 homers and 500 RBIs. Duh. <laughs> I think he's going to hit 40 home runs this year. I really do. <laughs> I mean, is that is we that can like go to that ballpark and hit 30? Yeah, I I definitely think the guy could hit 40 home runs this year. And uh, you know what? I he's he's not a young guy anymore. I think he's 24, right? Maybe even turned 25. He's playing at Yankee Stadium. Listen, uh, this is his job. It's his job. There's nobody behind him. There's nobody in front of him. It's his job. I think the Yankees need to pray that he hits 40 home runs. I mean, I'm praying just as a Yankee fan. I mean, what's the point of not thinking that he's going to – what's the point of thinking he's going to be a bust? What's the point of being a – you can't be a you can't be a Yankee fan or any fan in general and be a pessimist, man. You just got to – you got to hope for the best-case scenario every time. But maybe maybe I'm just being, you know, just a fanboy. But I do think the guy could hit 40 home runs. All right, I so mean, so go to a different prospect. Let's talk about Aaron Judge for a little bit, Mr. Strikeout. Oh well, he's. In a, I think Gary Sanchez is a lot more of a, uh, <laughs> a lot more better shot at hit, hitting forty home runs than Aaron well, Judge. What are we well, expecting from Judge? Man, what am I expecting from Judge? I think they're going to start him out as the starter at the beginning of the season. I know Joe Girardi loves Hicks, but I hear Jack Curry saying that they really are going to try to get Aaron Judge to be the everyday guy. Um, you know what? They worked on his swing. This offseason, they worked on, like, his leg kick or whatever it is, try to keep just less body movement going. So we'll see how we'll see how it goes. In general, really tall people are easy to get out. They have a lot more flaws than, you know, less tall people. As I don't know if that's the best word to say, but less tall people. Um, John Flaherty, I think he said that, you know, you see uh, – he sees Aaron Judge hit, and he knows exactly – Every time, how to get him out, and if John Flaherty, a backup catcher, is saying that, I'm sure catchers around the league know how to say that as well. Maybe he could become a Chris Tar- uh, Chris Carter type of guy, hit 40 home runs and you know 200 strikeouts. But or uh, Matt Reynolds. Matt Reynolds. Right. Or yeah, Chris Davis. Does he do that? Is he more of a hitter? I don't. Chris Chris Davis could give you a 260 Davis, average. So. Yeah. Yeah. The white one. Okay. The Baltimore I, one. Well. <laughs> you see, like, it's probably going to uh, be a, a similar kind of thing. You watch, like, Stanton. They're both the same body type. And they'll go, and Stanton, you can get him out, but he'll go on runs where you can't get him out. So I I think I, it's tough to expect anybody to be the, to be Giancarlo Stanton, but I think that's kind of what you got to shoot for. In the, if no, you, yeah, he, he definitely has the caliber to be a uh, baby Stanton. Right. But he definitely has it. We obviously a, know the power he has. That's a good point. Stan Stan is a monster. It's an excellent point. <laughs> um, but I mean, he's. I think Judge, out of all the prospects right now, he's probably in, even though he's on the team already, he's down there in my uh, least excited for. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm most excited for him. Obviously, Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier is my guy. I love him. I follow him on Twitter. I follow him on Snapchat. He's a boss. He's our age. I, I get the guy. He, you know, he hangs out with some hot girls. He's got some sick hair. Uh, Doesn't he have to cut the hair more? He's just a bro. He's he's a, he's a bro. And honestly, I I don't think I've even seen him have a minor league at bat yet. I've seen I've tried to watch some YouTube videos of him, but like you know, you can't really get a good grip on those little YouTube videos. It's safe to um, say you're going to trend. Oh, I'm thinking about it. It's a they have a great uh, great ballpark over there. Uh, uh, you would think he'll be up at some point this season, though. No? 
I think out of all the guys, I think he's closest to being up. Uh, he's yeah, he's already twenty two. Um, I think uh, if the outfield is struggling this year, if you know Hicks is under two hundred again, and Judge is playing awful, and I think you'll at least definitely see him hit September. Um, Glaber Torres, though, I mean. I think there's a possibility of seeing him also. I really do. Uh, God forbid there's an injury with Gregorius. I think he's the first guy you call up. Well, that's the thing. He's. I think he's kind of blocked by by Didi at this point. Um, yeah. What do you think? Uh, he could always be moved. He could be a guy you'd say, "Hey, go learn how to play third. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your your confidence level in, in starters two through five in this rotation? <laughs> do they have starters two through five? Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Here's my deal. I've always been a, a big CC Sabathia supporter. Um, at the end of 2015, I noticed, he, I mean, he had a great September at the end of 2015. Uh, 2016, he had his best best year he had in a long time. He had a 390, 390 ERA, which, you know, was nothing special, but he got the job done. He always came up with big starts. And I'm going to, you know, try to expect the same thing from him this year. Um, and, you know, they had some other guys. Brian Mitchell, when he... Uh, when he had his starts last year with the Yankees before he had, like, I think it was a toe injury or a thumb injury or something. He pitched great. Um, honestly, I think that four or five, those, the four or five spot, they're going to have some uh, good people filling in there because they got options. And a lot of people are expecting Severino to be the guy he was. I'm not saying I expect him to be the guy – or not the guy he was, the guy they're expecting him to be. I'm not really expecting that from him, to be honest. I think there's – you know, they have a great opportunity with – they just have these these random young guys. They have Sessa, they got Brian Mitchell, and then they got all these guys in the farm system who I don't think they're gonna bring up now with Justice and uh Cap what's his name? Caparelli or uh Caprilia, Caprilli, something like that. They got these big big time pitching prospects who I think are gonna be big at one point for this year. I think if they they have some options that they can make things work to get them into a wild card spot. I think that's the ultimate goal. Okay. And in the in these, I'm sure. Granted, he didn't have the best of seasons last year. Uh, for who was he with for before he was in that Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, that's right. Traded him for Neil Walker. Neil Walker. Who we, oh, we're talking talk about John Neese, aren't we? Yeah, Neese could. Yeah, be, I told you we'd bring it up. Neese could. Well, <laughs> potentially, he probably could be your fifth starter. I'm not saying that's anything great, but just the way the Yankees pitching has been. Yeah, he could be. Uh, I don't think I. I Joe Girardi's. Basically said he's going to be fighting for a spot in the bullpen. Let alone, okay. he's not, he didn't even say he's going to have a spot in the bullpen. Well, we, I don't, you know how George Rory likes to work out pitching, so. Yeah, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, he could step up. Spring training, there's a time for everybody to step up and show them what they got. John Neese, you know, I, it's crazy because I thought he actually had some. He had a pretty decent year with Pittsburgh last year. At least he started the season off. I remember with some good starts, and then I guess I lost track. And I checked out his stats when they acquired him. I'm like, oh, you know, five year array. I didn't know that. So, you know, I think it's a good pickup. Um, you know, low, uh, you know, low risk, high reward type of thing. And I liked him when he was on the Mets. He had some big time starts, and uh, also he pitched well out of the bullpen in the playoffs for them as well. Yes, he, yes, he did. So, I think the more uh, bullpen help you can get, the better. Definitely. Listen, his breathing is a lot better too, thanks to. Uh, Great New York, Carlos Beltran. Oh, God. I don't know that story. What is that? Okay, Re- so Nice had like a... I don't know. If you look at old John Nice pictures, like 09, 08, he, his nose is messed up. And he had like problems with his breathing. 
So Beltron, Beltron paid for him to have a surgery to like clear up yeah, his nostrils or yeah, something. He paid for his nose job before he left the Mets. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. I, Beltron is a very underrated New York actor. Oh, I think like a Volkswagen. I I love Beltron, man. I hope he's in the hall. Beltron is going to go in the hall. Yeah, he definitely will. I mean, he's with he's eight different hats with every <laughs> with hat. With a blank hat, he'll go in a little blank hat. I think. Yeah, miscellaneous hat. Um, if anything, go- he goes in as a Met. If you're going to give him a hat. Never won a World Series, right? What if he wins a championship with Houston this year? He won one with St. Louis, didn't he? No. I think they lost to the Red Sox that year. I think That's so, a- yeah. I think it was 2013. I think he's been to the World Series a couple times. Did he win one with the Giants? No. no. The year that he went to the Giants, they didn't make, make playoffs, I don't think. They- I think... I think both year or yeah, uh, he made the World Series in twenty twenty thirteen. He didn't win though. No, listen, he's so, back where he belongs to finish what he started. Oh my God, I forgot he was on Houston before. That's I, where I hope, that's I where he dominated in the playoffs. Right. I hope they'll stop booing him because they would boo him every time he came back, no matter what, forever. Yeah. No. Uh, no World Series wins. And they got Brian McCann too, man. He's a, he's a great teammate to have. That's I mean, a I scary team to watch this season. They're a team that's going all in this year, knowing that all their young guys are going to start having to get paid. Well, listen, I had Correa on my fantasy team last year. He only ended up hitting around like two seventy. Um, you know, hopefully, he seems like the type of guy who who should be a high, or at least a, a three hundred hitter, at least. So I think he needs to step it up a little. I'm not. I don't want to talk bad about Carlos Correa, but people are saying he could be the next A-Rod. I think he, maybe I'm just a little upset, a little bitter because he was on my fantasy team and I lost in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I want him to I want him to step it up a little bit more, and I think he definitely could. Maybe he had a little sophomore slump, which is very normal. So we'll see how he does this year. I think he, he, the guy has a lot of potential. And the guy hits bombs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you already said you're taking the over. On the Yankees this year. Yeah, because they traded away their guys last year, and they just started winning. I mean, granted, they had to share in McCann, but McCann was the DH. He barely yeah, played. They, they were dead wood. Yeah, no, I, I think if Didi Gregorius has another good year, and uh, I think Castro is going to step it up again. I'm always a Team Castro guy. I'm a big Castro yeah. fan. And uh, listen, if Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, I don't know. I don't want to. Yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury, it's the same thing as last year, Ellsbury and Gardner need a hit. Headley right. can't hit 200. It's at the point with Ellsbury, he's not going to live up to his contract. He's just got to be a useful player. Like That's yeah. really all he can do. You just got to get big hits, man. That's all you got to do. What does he have left? Three years? Yeah. Something like that? Like a, a hefty three years. Yeah, no, he, he, no one wants him. It's no. funny. I heard on the radio today, the longest tenured Yankee now is uh, Brett Gardner by tenure. Yeah, he's been there, been there for a while. It's so crazy. Well, it's like Terry Collins this year will become the longest tenured Met of yeah, all time. Yeah, Met manager. Met manager of all time. That's absurd. Wow. Well. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, he's, I'm a big TC guy. He's a character. I mean, yeah, I, I know. It's a lot of a lot of questions around that statement, but. He, he, he's a good, like, like you said, he's a character, and he's a, like, his communication skills, his locker room, I guess, managing ability is, is uh, good. But in-game. his in-game managing is just not there. Was it K and Lagreca call him uh, TMI Terry? Yes, yes, <laughs> as well, yeah. right. And it's like <laughs> like Joe Madden has mastered both sides of that of the equation. Yeah, uh, I think I think he's 
you know, I think he's just a good guy and keeps the locker room in order. And I think if a player respects your manager, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, that's true. All right, so is this the last straw for Girardi? Or, or would you give him a his contract's up at the yeah. end of the year? Would you give yeah. him more years I, to see what he could do with I, a young team? I, I, I would. Yeah, I, I, mean, I like Girardi. I would too. He's a good manager. He really is a good manager. Um, I think there's a chance that he may not do it because he wants to. The only re- uh, reason why he may not do it is it would be on his own terms because he wants to. He wants to be with his kids. I know his kid is like a big time baseball player, and I think he wants to watch him and maybe coach him a little bit or something. And I know he's expressed a lot of interest in getting back in the broadcasting booth. Um, I mean, you mentioned um, mentioned Terry Collins about to be the longest tenure manager for the Mets. Joe Girardi this is this going to be his? Te- he's done it for ten seasons now, which is you know where's time gone? Ten seasons, right. Joe Girardi. Like, yeah, come on, that's nuts. Yeah, he's a. He's a great manager. I really, you know, he he slows the pace of the game big time. You know, he's a big time advocate of just changing the bullpen. But at the end of the day, you know, I yeah. think at the end of the day it works. When he turns into a binder, Joe, that's can, his biggest problem. Yeah, and it does annoy me. And there's times when I'm watching the game, but come on, Joe, do you really have to take him out now? He's rolling. He does that a lot. But at the end of the end of the day, I think he knows what he's doing. He knows how to spread yeah. the lefties and righties out in the lineups, and uh, you know, I think he uh, he definitely deserves another opportunity, especially if they got these young guys coming in. I, what other options are there out there? You know, right? I, I think you were right about it, it being his choice because they know this team is in between. You can't you're not gonna you know fire them at, if they don't make the playoffs this year. This is a a kind of a rebuilding. Second half of a rebuilding season, I could see him getting a two-year deal. They get a shot like next year is the year, and if not, then we kind of in, they part ways and just and and figure it out from there. Yeah, I think it depends on how they do this season. That's a good point. Um, but I really, I really think they're going to have a good year, Joe. I think they said this in the Michael K show today, or uh, one of those. Yeah, I think it was the McKay show, or maybe it was yesterday, that Joe Girardi has. Uh, beaten the Vegas odds each year by like three, four games. Uh, like for the past like three, four years, uh, he just always manages to beat the Vegas odds. They always seem to do better than expected. And I think you got to give Girardi some of that credit for sure. All right. Um, so you were mentioning the Michael K show, and they talked <laughs> about guys, uh, kids basically losing interest in baseball. Oh, my God. Sorry. So, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're so, so we saw the this. tweet. So we figured we'd pinch a nerve and give you two minutes or a minute and a half and let you just roll and go off on them. I, I'm, I'm not the best venter. I don't like – I'm not a good just – I don't articulate myself well when I vent. But here's what I'm thinking. Don McGregor was going off, uh, going off as how – saying with his new intentional walk rule, they're not going to be able to get the new uh, – the younger generation into the game. Don McGregor is a big hockey guy, right? Yep. Nothing wrong with hockey. I'm not personally. I'm not a big fan of hockey. That's fine. I'm more of a baseball guy. People are there's there are plenty, plenty, plenty people who are big fans of hockey. There are plenty, 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 plenty of people who are big fans of baseball. I don't think. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think that we're we're part of the younger generation. I don't see a lack of uh, people enjoying baseball. Um, people who enjoy. Uh, I don't see more people enjoying 
you know, basketball, the more people enjoying baseball. I have a lot of friends out there. Maybe that's just, I don't know. I, I have a lot of friends out there, uh, you know, in our 20 age demographic who love baseball. I could talk so much baseball with you guys, for example. It's not, the sport's not going away. It's not going away. And when we become that older generation, maybe we'll have our own opinions. And I'm sure they're going to be saying about this, uh, the same type of thing about the younger generation. But at the end of the day, Baseball is a niche type of sport. They, uh, the fans, uh, they have a specific group of fans, and I think that group is pretty big, and that group is going to keep on generating this league money. So, uh, you know, same thing with hockey. Hockey has uh, a niche group, you know. Uh, they have a group of fans who love the game, and they're going to keep on watching their team. Uh, NFL is obviously their own powerhouse. Everybody loves football, you know, once a week, yada, yada. But the NBA as well. It's the same thing with the NBA. At the end of the day, you know, the, the reason why they're talking about the younger generation was because of the intentional walks. At the end of the day, I think it was a, you know, Don McGregor was saying how uh, that this intentional walk rule is going to bring in the younger crowd. Well, it does speed up the game a little bit, you know, keep them interested in what the actual game is, not just sitting there watching a guy stand there for right. four minutes. And there's no way in hell. This is going to be a person who didn't like baseball before is going to start like liking baseball now because of this is this uh, intentional walk rule. So if anything, they'll be more confused. Why, like, why is this guy just going to first? What, what is happening right now? Yeah, exactly. I, that's why it's just the whole thing is so confusing. They articulated. I felt Michael K articulated very well. There's ways to speed up the game. Uh, this is not how you do it. I mean, I think you're taking away something that's bigger than something that you're going to be uh, gaining in rewards. That's why did a moment of silence today. Did they really? They had a moment of silence on, like, SMI for the intentional walk roll. Seriously, though. You see Gary Sanchez last year with the – I mean, obviously, it's a one – hardly happens, but, man. Listen, what was better than watching Miguel Cabrera being intentional walk and swinging and getting a base hit? Liner, yeah. He's done it multiple times. Right. He does it often, too. He's like, I'm not – not going to be allowed to swing because you don't want me to. I'm getting a hit. Yeah, I think I watched like some sort of MLB documentary yesterday. I can't – it must have been that MLB documentary. But I saw – and it wasn't like in the World Series, the 1975 thing with what it, Pete Rose or Johnny Bench. Somebody – they faked an intentional walk. Um, guy, got right, uh, guy got back on his knees and caught a strike for strike three. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw, tap- I saw it was on like Instagram last week or something. It was like a little clip. Yeah, it must have been on Instagram or something. I don't know, but it, it happens. I mean, well, just it, it takes the, the way 30 it does, seconds the way of the game. The way it does speed up the game is, you know, you make the look from the manager, and now the guy doesn't have to go get his, you know. Remember how long it took Nomar to get ready to get into the box? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's we true. We don't have to wait for Nomar to do that, to be intentional walking. That's true. That's what it basically is doing. It's but basically I still... saying, let's not have these guys stand there for three hours getting ready to be intentional. Well, I got stories to tell you off, off air about the... Uh, I have a friend who actually works for Game of Pace in the office of Game of Pace. And it's really? actually really funny, the stories I've heard that he says. But I, I can't say it on, the, on, uh, on air. But <laughs> just, you can imagine just how players are not happy about the Game of, game of Pace situation. Oh, no. It, it's one of those things, like, I don't... I don't mind, you know, the, the rule change. I, I really don't care either way. To me, it's not going to make that big, yeah. big of a difference. But I know, Justin, you go to a lot of games. Steve and I, we all go to a lot of games. One of the 
one of my favorite things about going to games is Steven and I can sit there and then we haven't gone to a lot of games lately, but we could just sit there and analyze everything that's going on. It's taking away the nuance of baseball that I like. Right. I like not- those little nuances and, and, and different things that the, the, the situations and it's just taking that away to some degree. Right, we've been at games where we'll sit there and we're like, all right, if this guy does this, then they should intentionally walk that guy, bring this guy into the bullpen, in from the bullpen because he's warming up, getting ready for that guy. This is the plan. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we're all baseball fans, so we're going to love it. Uh, you can't – you're not going to bring in a new baseball fan with this rule. So, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's the best part about baseball, I think. If if you're a true baseball fan, you sit there at a game and you can manage it yourself. You can try sure. to manage it in your own decision. That's the beauty of baseball because that's the beauty of being a sports fan, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, um, I think that's what – uh, I guess at the end of the day, the league wants just more casual throw it on when there's nothing else. Hopefully, excitement. All right. You don't want to. Uh, there's, there's still a lot of fans out there who love the game. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, all right, Justin. It was a pleasure as always. Uh, you can follow him at jdred311 on Twitter. Um, sometimes he posts like little videos of himself singing Springsteen, which is really cool to watch. Snapchat, Snapchat, Snapchat. I would never post that on Twitter. <laughs> right, you need a gun within 24 hours so nobody has any proof. Yeah, no, I, I save them all. <laughs> um, He's a yeah. great follow. Talk Yankee baseball, talk baseball in general with him. Um, just in general. Uh, we'll definitely see you in a couple games, buddy. Yes, we got to go to definitely a few games this year, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um, thanks again for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. Much appreciated. Welcome back to episode 173 of the S&D Podcast Show. That was submission by Division 1.1. And joining us now from MLB.com is uh, Rich McLeod. Rich, how are we doing? Good. How are you guys? Doing great. Good, 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 Thanks good, for coming good. on. Thank you for joining us. It's baseball season. Yes, it is. Off and running. So uh, we're going to start with uh, talking about the Mets. Uh, and I guess we'll start with the, I guess the news that was technically non-news because it went out of the cycle in about 10 hours. Uh, a possible new Walker extension. What are your thoughts on uh, a possible extension for Walker? Yeah, you know, initially you kind of think, uh, wow, you know, a two-year extension, so essentially a three-year deal for a guy coming off of back surgery and one of the best years he's ever had. You know, I'm not sure that that's a great idea. He's also, you know, he's I think he's 30, 31 years old now. But at the same time, it does kind of make sense when you look at the fact that like the Mets don't have any surefire second base prospects of the future that are on the cusp right now. So locking up Neil Walker could not only uh, secure second base for the next three seasons, but also I would imagine that if the Mets got an extension done, that they would restructure the money so that instead of Walker making $17 million this year, they would spread it around for the latter two parts of the year so that they could have a little more payroll flexibility to add in July, at which Alderson has shown that he is willing to do. So in that regard, I actually thought it would have been a kind of savvy move for them to make. Uh, It looks like the chances aren't great right now, but 
as I believe Christy Ackert of New York Daily News said, it's not completely dead, so we'll see. Right, that makes sense. Uh, that's always been one of the issues of the deadline, at least, is, is finding somebody to take money or, or, or uh, find somebody affordable. Um, mm-hmm. One of the biggest things this offseason, again, with money, was Jay Bruce. And uh, they didn't trade him. They couldn't find a partner. It seemed like power bats were, uh, uh, I guess, a surplus this offseason. And mm-hmm. so what are your thoughts on uh, the outfield and, and Bruce and, and Conforto's, you know, playing time? Yeah, you know, I think I wrote about it a little bit in December about Jay Bruce. I think the Mets took a gamble picking up his option and... I think in a normal off season it would have paid off and they would have been able to trade him. But for whatever reason, this year was just the wrong year to be looking to move a slugger. That's what he is. You know, Jay Bruce is not a good defensive player. He doesn't hit for average. Uh, he really does one thing well, and that's hit home runs. And normally that is valued. And for whatever reason, this off season it just wasn't. Edwin Encarnacion took a three or sixty million dollar deal and. Remember that he turned down an $80 million deal from the Blue Jays. And at the time, we all laughed and said $80 million. Like, that's not even close to what Edwin Arcanacion's worth. And he wound up getting $20 million less. Obviously, he's got an option that could make it 80 But still, he went for way below market value. Jose Bautista waited a long time and signed a really small deal. Chris Carter, who obviously is not a perfect player. He's been 200 here, basically, the entirety of his career. But he did hit over 40 home runs last year and was tied with Arenado for the home run lead in the NL last year, and he took a one-year, $3 million deal to be basically a platoon player for the Yankees. So, you know, for whatever reason, home runs were completely devalued by front offices this offseason, making Jay Bruce really not a attract, an attractive target for teams because with these other guys clogging up the market, if you want to pay for a guy who's just going to hit home runs, you're just going to pay money to do it. You're not going to give up anything of any kind of value. And I'm sure that teams offered the Mets something for Jay Bruce, but it, it was, honestly, at the end of the day, it was probably something that the Mets figured was not worth giving up Bruce for and just decided to hold on to him. I think that they should still look to move Bruce at some point if the package is right, just really because of the fact that, one, I'm not a huge fan of Bruce as a player to begin with, but two, I just really think that Conforto has to be in the lineup at this point. He is too promising, and I just think he's too talented to stick either on the bench or in AAA again. All right, so um, changing over to the pitching a little bit, uh, I recently started writing with this blog site a friend of mine started called We Bleed Orange and Blue. And mm-hmm. I posted an article today basically looking at the rotation. Um, to me, the four spots are pretty much set of Noah, uh, DeGrom, Mats, and Harvey. And I think that fifth spot is really up in the air. And, you know, it comes down to, I think, three guys, and that's going to be Wheeler, who's on an in- innings limit, uh, Gesellman, and also Seth Lugo. Uh, what's your thoughts on that fifth rotation spot? Yeah, you know, I'm not convinced that Wheeler's winning that spot, at least out of camp. It wouldn't surprise me if he starts the season in AAA, honestly, just for the Mets to be able to control him a little better and not have to push him too hard. Because I think putting him in the bullpen, coming off two years of not pitching and elbow surgery, and you know, 
bunch of other little elbow flare-ups and and a pitch count like or and an innings limit excuse me uh i just don't think that that's a good idea and so i really think it might you know we'll see how wheeler looks this spring but i honestly i it wouldn't surprise me if wheeler started out the season in the minor leagues and then you have gazelman versus lugo for that fifth spot with the loser being kind of your middle reliever guy in the bullpen yeah, the thing with Wheeler is with the hundred inning uh, limit. If when does the hundred innings take place? Is it when he comes up to the big leagues, or is it a general one hundred inning cap? So that's what that's going to be the interesting thing if he doesn't start off with the Mets right away. Whether it's right or wrong, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle the one hundred inning cap if he does start with the Mets. Yeah, and I would say usually. For most teams, or probably all teams at this point, a an innings limit takes into account what a guy does in the minor leagues. Yeah, it makes sense. Would would, it, would the minor leagues count towards the inning limit, though? Yeah, yeah it's pitching, was, though. It's, it's throwing pitching. innings. Right. It's, it's innings. You know, at the end of the day, it's the they same amount of stress on somebody's base. arm. Right. So, see, the thing is, I said they may tell him go to extended spring training type thing, mm-hmm. and run him through the kind of rehab assignment type move where, you know, he could start yeah. with the lesser players and kind of work his way up through. And then right around the All-Star break, he could kind of figure things out. And, you know, if they need a starter at that point, he could come in be another starter or, you know, you could throw him in the bullpen and let him pitch out of there. I know a lot yeah, of- you know, it's definitely possible. Uh, I think that as long as he's healthy and his arm doesn't fall off, that you're going to see him at some point this year. I'm just not sure it's going to be April. Yeah. I know not a lot of people liked it two seasons ago. I know the pitching didn't like it, uh, particularly Harvey. I think this year, to start the season off, I think they should should try to implement the six-man rotation. With everybody other than Syndergaard coming off an injury last year, I think this would have been the perfect opportunity. Especially with Gesselman and Lugo. Also, with Lugo pitching for... um, for Puerto Rico, it gives him another chance to kind of ease his way back into everything. Uh, that would have been my idea, but I, I don't know what you think. I know no one really likes this six-man rotation. It's, I'm just throwing it out there because it, if, if if there was years to do it, I think the start of the season this year would have been the perfect opportunity. Like we all know, four of the five guys were hurt last year. So if you include uh, Wheeler in the rotation right now. So... It's it's going to be interesting to see how the injuries take fruition on because they're going to most likely some of them are going to start slowly. They're not all going to start hot, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, you know, um, the idea makes sense, you know, with all the guys coming off of injury. But at the end of the day, it's not only what the team wants to do, but it, you know, I do think that they take account into what the pitchers are more comfortable with. And we remember Harvey publicly was not very happy about six-man rotations in the past and certain guys don't pitch as well, you know, with longer layoffs. But I really think that you'll probably see is a standard five-man rotation, but with more of a spot starter every couple of weeks just to give everybody a little bit of a respite. I think that's possible. I think that they kind of have enough arms uh, uh, on their roster to make that happen with Lugo and Gazelman and Wheeler. Absolutely. And another another key 
elements of the team this year that's actually deep for once. Um, the the mm-hmm. bench is actually very deep this year, considering depending on who you're playing in a particular day, you can have Flores, you could have uh, Lagares, you could have um, either Conforto. Reyes or Conforto or Granderson. I'm just throwing the names out of the hat this year. This year is kind of crazy. Not crazy, but it's kind of deep. I'm opposed to the last couple of years when it'd be Diazza. Who, who else was our one-year outfielder? Like John Mayberry Chris Jr. Young. John Mayberry Jr. Chris Young. Chris Young and so on and so forth. So this year... Gary Matthews Gary Jr. 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 The date <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a good one. Our, our random scrub outfielder of the year. We don't have that this year, which is great. I'll take... Any of the week. I, I'm one of the few... Well, everybody likes Ligaris. But as long as Ligaris plays a lefty... First a lefty, he's money. Obviously, we know Flores is. So I think with platooning Duda and Flores would be a key situation as well. So, But with the bench, with them being so stacked this year, who do you think is going to be the main bat coming off the bench this year? If there even is one. I think if we... Yeah, I think it's going to be Flores because if you look at the numbers, and I, I did this recently uh, since the start of 2015, the third highest OPS against left-handed pitchers is Wilmer Flores, is, and that's higher than Mike Trout and Ryan Braun, just to name a couple of guys. So, you know, that's yeah, pretty good. He's filthy. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, he, he hit Nefties pretty well in 2015, but he was a complete monster against them last year. And then there was a time where it seemed like he'd hit a home run almost every game against the lefty. He was that good. So I think that Wilmer Flores will probably be your your biggest impact hitter off the bench or, you know, in spot starts. And, it's you know, it's really valuable to this Met team that, you know, it's not ideal that he play all of these positions, but he is capable of playing third base, shortstop, second base, and first base. So you can really plug him in on any day at any spot against the lefty and probably get some production out of that. All right. So the real question now is in what month and what guys do they trade for Kelly Johnson? (laughs) (laughs) July. (laughs) And I'll say one or two uh, pitching prospects that maybe nobody ever heard of. Yeah, you know the, the the good minor league guys who cover the Mets, uh, they'll they'll know who they are. But the I don't think the mainstream people, and I don't even know if I will, you know, know who a guy is. Maybe you'll see somebody like a, you know, like a Chris Flexen, but probably not that high on their list, but a little bit lower than that. Maybe that kind of guy. What they really should do is just sign Kelly Johnson, <laughs> so they don't have to trade for him for a third straight summer. I kind of uh, figured it would be Rafael Montero. Pretty, you know, the guy who's been uh, here forever and won't go away. I don't – yeah, I mean, I don't think that they would do that just if you, you just look at it and he's still young and I haven't liked a single thing that I've seen from him in the major leagues. But, I mean, the team traded Gabriel Enoa, who a lot of people like, mm-hmm. uh, for cash to keep Montero on the 40-man roster. So I don't think – that the Mets are ready to give up on Montero still, even though a lot of people think that they should. And if they did, I don't think that they would want to trade him in the division at his young age for him to potentially figure things out and then hurt them. Right. Um, so we were talking about the bench just before. What a uh, big part of that is is how David Wright's going to you know 
hold up? What, what do you think we can expect from uh, from David this year? I don't think you can expect anything. You kind of have to be happy with what you get. Um, you know, I think David Wright is capable of still putting up a 20 home run season if he's healthy for most of it. But I mean, we all know that that's not going to happen. So it's really just what can David Wright do when he's actually on the field. And I still think he can give you something. The strikeouts were up last year. Um, you know, his average was down, but his on-base percentage was actually really good. He hit for power when he played. So I think there is a lot left in terms of at least David Wright's bat. It's just a matter of how much is he going to be on the field. Is he going to be able to make the throws from third base? More of that kind of thing. So you really, I don't, you can't really expect anything out of David Wright. And you just kind of hope that he's able to physically get on the field. And if he does that, then I think that he'll be able to do enough to help this team win games. It's it's just amazing the work he has to put through, put forth before every single game. That's that's mm-hmm. what's really insane about him still playing at a high level that we just can't expect him to do every single day. So it's it's really going to be Jose Reyes' job for the most part of the season, unless David finds it in himself to find a way to get it together. Um, as much as it pains us, obviously, all, all of us as Mets fans, David Wright is the guy, but it's sooner or later, it's just sad to see, but it's going to it's gonna eventually happen. So, I know a lot of rumors where he should move to first would be probably a lot easier on his back, but it was going to be interesting to see what they, they're going to want to do with uh, David Wright this year. It's tough, especially because, like, on the days he's there giving him off, you're playing shorthanded. You're playing with 24 exactly. guys. We're playing shorthanded. Um, what's your thoughts on how the bullpen's going to shape up? Obviously, we're expecting Familia to get suspended and, and Rita moving as the closer, but there's there's mm-hmm. two or three bullpen spots left, you know, with Familia suspension, and then once he comes back, who's going to fill at the end of the bullpen? That's a great question. You know, I'm not. 100% sure that people seem to be pretty high on this guy, Ben Rowan, this minor league signing that they made earlier in the offseason. Basically been a career minor leaguer, just a couple of major league stints, I think. But uh, he's a submariner. Uh, people have really liked the way he's looked so far this spring, so it's possible that he could make the bullpen. You know, I think you're going to have your regular guy. I think that personally speaking, I think Gizelman's going to win the fifth spot, and I think Lugo is going to be one of your long slash middle relief pitchers you know you'll have uh Hansel Robles in there who can be brilliant and then can also not be so good uh you'll have Fernando Salas Addison Reed Jerry Blevins and then I think that's really going to be a I think what's going to be interesting is that second lefty reliever spot because you have Josh Edgen who you know has not pitched well in a while he was hurt a couple years ago but he's out of options, if I'm not mistaken. So it's likelier, in my opinion, that Edgen makes the team solely because if he doesn't, then they have to designate him for assignment. And then, you know, any team can claim him if they want. You know, who knows if anyone would. But, you know, pays to be a left-handed pitcher in this league. Someone could want him. But I do think that of the two, Josh Schmoker is probably better at this point. And I would like to see him be that second lefty. 
but because of the option situation, I would think that Edgen has, uh, for lack of a better word, the edge over <laughs> Smoker. Yeah, it was funny. I was looking at Smoker's stats uh, recently, and it's his ERA was in the fours, but it was a lot of mm-hmm. like in in like four games he gave up three runs, and then the rest of the games he was fine. It was kind of kind of just. Uh, I guess he hadn't pitched in a while. He was just coming back from the injury. And it was an up and down kind of thing. I like Smoker as well. He, you know, he throws hard, and I think he's more valuable. But like you said, with the, the options, it's probably going to be Edgen. Yeah, um, I mean, and I and it it wasn't like uh, Smoker was strictly being used against lefties in the spots he came in last year. And I would have to look at the numbers to be sure that he struggled against righties, but. Uh, I would think that a lot of the damage probably came to facing right-handed pitchers or pitching uh, longer than one to two batter stints. Right. Um, so they just uh, announced today or yesterday that the rule change with the intentional walks. <laughs> what are your, your yeah. thoughts on it? You think it's going to help, or is it kind of just a, a? It's kind of pointless. Uh, I think it's kind of dumb for lack of a better word. <laughs> I know the whole the whole initiative with MLB lately has been pace of play, and I understand it, and I get it, and as someone who who's going home during the regular season depends on how quick games are, I want games to be quicker just for, you know, selfish reasons. But at the same time, how much time are you really saving by getting rid of the pitches of an intentional walk? Right. Maybe, you know, maybe, it, maybe 30 it, it seconds seems, twice a game. I mentioned this earlier in yeah, the game. Yeah, maybe. You're saving watching Nomar Garciaparra do his arm thing in 1999 <laughs> to just be intentional walk. Yeah, you know, I just, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think it's a big enough thing to really impact the pace of games. And I really don't think, if you look at baseball, it's, you know, it's, this really a problem? Has anyone been? Anyone really said like, "Man, I wish this game was twenty five seconds shorter." Uh, and you know, I know it's incredibly rare that things go wrong on intentional walks, but it does happen. And I'm just not a fan of taking out the taking the ball out of players' hands in sports, and this completely takes away you know any kind of making the players execute. You just say, I want to walk him, and he's walked. You know, you don't have the, even last year, Gary Sanchez, they were intentionally walking him. The guy missed the pitch, and he hit a sacrifice fly and almost hit a two-run home run. And like, that happens sometimes. There are wild pitches. There are sometimes a guy will throw the first pitch, and for whatever reason, the manager will change his mind and then say, hey, you know, you know, actually face him. I think that happened against the Mets uh, two years ago, and whoever the batter was wound up striking out. So it wound up working out that they changed their mind or, you know, whatever. I just don't think that it's necessary, really. Like, I, I'm not completely upset over it. I just don't think it's very necessary. I think you're taking the ball out of players' hands. Well, you don't need to be, and I think that you're saving 25 seconds every other baseball game, probably. And, you know, I said the same thing on Twitter the other day, and that was, you know, I wasn't saying, you know, wow, Game 7 of the World Series is great, but I really wish it was 30 seconds shorter. I didn't (laughs) find myself saying that at any point. 
Well, you could have done without the rain delay. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, final thought. Uh, what do you expect? What's your prediction for the Mets this season? A division title or, or playoffs or what? I think I think they're going to win the division. I said the same thing last year, and that, and I think that they would have had a chance to win the division last year if their entire roster didn't get hurt at one point or another. Um, I think. I think they're a good team. I know that they didn't bring in a single new player on a major league contract this off season. But when you look at the when you look at the team that was on the field for the wild card game and you look at the team that the Mets are likely fielding on opening day, they couldn't be more different. You're gonna have David Wright in there. Wilmer Flores will be available. Remember he got hurt, didn't play the rest of the year. You're gonna have a healthy Lucas Duda. Uh you know, you're going to have all the pitchers back. You're going to have Neil Walker. You know, it's it's just a different team. You're not going to have TJ Rivera, who, you know, he was nice in the month or so that he was up. You're not going to have him facing Madison Bumgarner in the most important game of the year. You're just not. And so I think that this team, barring health, has a chance to do big things this year. And I think that just by sheer odds that they won't have as many injuries as they had last year just because it was completely ridiculous. Not just the amount of injuries last year, but it's just always to someone important to the team. And I just really think that they have a chance to win, you know, 93, 94, maybe even 95 games this year, win the division. I don't think the Nationals are this opposing figure even though they won the division by, I believe, eight games last year. The Mets won the division by seven games the year before. So, you know, things happen. Things change. The Nationals don't have a closer. Uh, I think that but they signed Matt Wieters. Them. They did sign They're, Matt Wieters, but I... <laughs> <laughs> but you, know, if, if, you know, it depends on what you go by, but fan graph projections think that Travis Darno is going to be a better hitter than Matt Wieters this season. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> Uh, and the Mets aren't paying Matt, uh, Travis Darno $10 million this year. So, you know, I think the Mets can win the division if they stay relatively healthy. And I, to be completely honest, and I'm probably going to sound like a homer here, but I think that they can win the World Series this year. I really do. Well, we hope so. We hope so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, at Rich McLeod on Twitter. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. All right. Have a good one. Don't forget to do this again soon. You Thanks, too. Rich. Yeah, no problem. Uh, let me know when you want to do it again. I'm all usually around. <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Have a good night, guys. Yeah, you Enjoy. too. Bye. Welcome back to the S&D Podcast. You just listened to Submission by Division 1.1. Thank you to Justin and Rob for... Rich. Rich. I'm sorry. Rich for coming on. Uh, Didn't mess up Justin's name this time. I know. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Uh, It was great talking Mets and Yankees baseball. It's going to be a long season, but all three of us are excited for it to kick off. I know know there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but hopefully more ups this year. Remember, Um, it's a marathon. Oh, yeah, exactly. 
everybody got to remember that for the the slump at the beginning of the season where everybody's going to be booing a particular player. Oh, the three weeks where they don't win it, where they win like three games. And when Curtis Granderson's hitting two twenty in uh, March, in uh, I mean in May, just remember to be patient. Um, with that being said, um, NBA dr- uh, deadline, by the time you're listening to it, it is today. So, so far, um, it looks like Melo's probably not going to get traded, uh, which we all kind of knew. Uh, if anything, Derrick Rose is probably on the trading block. Um, if he isn't traded by now, um, maybe by 4 o'clock, he might be. Um, that's pretty much so it with the Knicks. Noah is hurt. Yeah, so he's, he's not going he's anywhere. Not going, he, he wasn't going anywhere because with his ridiculous contract to begin with. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Knicks do uh, to, today. I don't care what they do in the trade deadline. All that matters is J.J. Redick free agent. Remember that. I really hope they Well, no one wants Redick. to come here to play. So. I will buy a Knicks jersey if J.J. Redick comes to the Knicks. And I haven't had a Knicks jersey since David Lee. Wow. Seems kind of racist with that suctions of jerseys, doesn't it? Yeah, I just just I'm not a big basketball fan to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. I was I was joking, obviously. Um, right. The Islanders got two big points uh, two nights ago, um, which was great to see in uh, Detroit. Um, hopefully, they keep that up. Um, the Rangers Long road trip. Yeah, the Rangers uh, lost. Long trip ever. The uh, Rangers lost a tough one in a shootout to the Canadians as well. So what a save by Carey Yeah, now that, that saved, way. obviously that I saved to, the game. I spoke to a, a worker at a company that I deal with, and I and the first thing I go and when he picked up the phone is, so do you every time you close your eyes do you see Carey Price just diving across? And he goes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that that was a spectacular save. Um, the Rangers are still playing well. Um, let's see. Seven out of the last nine games they've won, so they're continuing to stay hot. Um, it's pretty much up for grabs the eight seed, so it's going to be interesting to see who uh, wants it more between the the Maple Leafs, Islanders, and who else is there? The Flyers. Flyers. Flyers are right if you're the Rangers, your best bet is to stay right where you are. See, yeah. Uh, there's no but, way I want to go past Columbus. And play Pittsburgh or, uh, or Washington, whoever doesn't win a division. I'll take my chances with Montreal. Yes, yeah. We had the same conversation last year. Of, right. And it's just blow it. So and it worked. Play. They, you know, they played a, a, a lot. I remember there was a lot of people. <laughs> and, the, and the Penguins do have the Rangers number right. ever since the uh, Penguins blew that 3 1 lead One two years ago. Right, Isles writer in particular. Well, former Isles writer. Every time the, Pan- the Panthers scored, he went, "There's what you asked for. There's what you asked for." No, we asked to not play the eventual Stanley Cup champion Penguins. Yeah, well, like we saw everybody. what happened to what they did to the Rangers. Yeah, and look what they did to everybody. They they steamrolled through. Well, they didn't steamroll through the Caps. The was we're going to be really interesting, and it, like like I said, the Rangers are staying right where they are because you would think, let's say it's 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 Toronto or whoever Boston gets the last thing. Let's see, they play Washington. Pittsburgh uh, plays Columbus. If Washington and Pittsburgh come out of that, they're going to kill each other in that series. And then if you come out of the Atlantic bracket, you're getting a a beat-up team. Yeah, I I think uh, with uh, Columbus falling a little bit apart, I think it's going to eventually be the Rangers. I definitely think it's definitely going to be the Rangers. Um, I don't know. It's interchangeable. It's like funny... 
The Rangers win seven games in a row before the Islander loss, and then they lose one game, they fall back into seventh, seventh, uh, the seventh seed. So it's really anybody's game. We know it. So it's going to be interesting. How many next next week's the NHL deadline, right? Yeah, next, next week is going to be the NHL deadline. Next Wednesday, and um, we're actually going to do a little special next week. Um, just Finn and I are going to do a recap, basically. Uh, of course, if Dan, if anything big happens, then Finn yeah, will join yeah. us. But most likely, it'll just be Vin and I going all in uh, on that one. Right, recapping what what happens at deadline. Hopefully. And New York teams make a move. We'll have something to talk about. If not, well, you know, anything happens in general. Which it's going to be an interesting deadline because nobody's selling because nobody's really out of it. Exactly. It's like uh, baseball now with the extra wild card. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, with that being said, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, find search SND Podcast channel. Make sure you help out with everybody's channel. Um, we're working on some stuff for the NCAA tournament. With uh, the other the other podcasts on our show, so make, keep a lookout for that. Um, look out for that on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of social media. Um, with that being said, thanks again to Rich, thanks again to Justin, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.